Hello, and welcome to Transforming Talent. I'm your host, Ed Crow, the talent transformation expert for organizations seeking eight-figure growth. We work with those organizations to break through revenue ceilings and realize the business growth that their companies are capable of when they get their people firing on all cylinders. We believe that every business person has a unique voice and a unique angle that makes their business successful. And those are the kinds of movers and shakers that we interview on the show. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you could be our next guest in about 30 minutes. So let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Transforming Talent, the podcast for leaders and business executives who are doing cool things in the marketplace today to transform their talent in order to grow their businesses. My name's Ed Crow, and I'm so happy to be your host today and welcome our guests, Paul Newton and Amanda Annis from The Word Co. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. So before we jump in, because I've got lots of questions I want to get into with the two of you, tell us a little bit about The Word Co. and and what you guys do and, and how you're helping your clients transform. Well, we started the Word Co together and we're partners now in this new venture. Um, I'm a content strategist. I've been doing this for a few years now as a marketer and Paul is a strategic story expert. And our three core offerings that we offer to mid-sized businesses and licensed professionals are a brand story, content strategy, and then digital public relations. And so what we do is we offer those essential services in that order to really help people grow their customers base and protect their brand through relationship marketing. Excellent. So Paul, when our listeners hear that and and the listeners are business owners, business executives, and they're probably saying themselves right now, well, what does that have to do with talent? Tell us, how do you bridge that to help companies pull in the talent that they need? Well, you can well understand that things have really changed in the business marketplace and in the talent pool out there just since the events of the past couple of years, right? The way that employees are working with companies, what they want, and the questions that they're asking about, why am I even here? What am I doing here? And is this what I want? It's really top of mind for people. And companies absolutely must have their story straight. They need to tell employees why they want to work here and really give it to them in a what's in it for me kind of story Mm -hmm. so that people understand that they can align with their values and the values of the company and make a good career choice by working with that company. So writing that story, that's what we do. You know, it's such a, a cool concept because most people know they need a really good marketing brand. You know, they, they need that compelling story that draws customers in. And they forget that they really need a compelling employment brand that draws talent to them. Do do either of you see a difference in the way you tell a story in order to draw a customer to you versus drawing an employee to you? Well, I'll speak to that first. And really, when it was through working with, with you, Ed, that I ever heard that there was a difference between like the corporate brand and the HR brand. And it was through that example that you gave of the 
healthcare company where people in the community just thought it was a great place to go and that they could get a high standard of care. But once uh, a little bit further investigation was done into the uh, employment problems that they were experiencing, it was that people that work there were saying, you know what, you don't want to work here. And that is a big problem because there's, there's something up with the values, right, of the company. And the thing that I think in working with Amanda that I discovered you know, with her brand strategy and the content strategy she, she was doing was that they were based on the mission, vision, and core values of a company. And she'd always go back to that and align the goals of the content strategy with that. The problem with brand, uh, aligning your brand with that is most people write their vision and mission and shelled it. Yep. And nobody knows what <laughs> it stands true. for. Yeah. So the, the thing with a story is you want something that engages not just your customers, but also your employees and management and everybody's focused through that story as to this is why we're here. This is what we do and why. And that's, that's what we do now with companies that are just coming out post pandemic and looking at how can we like stimulate business and get people to understand how we're, how we're doing things today. So a good compelling story that, that tells people how we're changing, how we've adapted and how we're evolving and why should you join our team? Why should you buy from us? That's, that's key to really uh, transforming your talent. Thanks, Paul. And, you know, as I experienced your, your expertise firsthand in, in pulling stories, uh, you know, out of my head and, um, and you're a master at it. And, and so, Amanda, when, when Paul pulls the story out, how do you then look at this idea of an employment brand and market that story? And is it noticeably different from marketing a market brand story? Well, I love that question because it's pretty crucial to the success that you would get. And the number one thing that we want to do with the story is align. And so anytime you might have a gap in what you're doing, whether that's your employment brand or your corporate brand, you want to try and create as much cohesiveness as possible. And that's what we do with a story is by including employees and including the client, we create something that's going to attract and magnetize everybody. And then what we do is all of our goals in marketing, we align it to that so that we're attracting like-minded people. Because the one thing we know about uh, about our audience for across the board, and it's, it's a newer statistic about consumers in general and about talent in general, is that it's a purpose-driven audience. And statistically, people will turn away from companies or cultures that are not transparent about their purpose. So if we can meld those two stories and ensure that it is cohesive and people clearly understand that, we match that story and align it with everything we're doing in our marketing. So if that's on social media and that's on how we uh, are in our recruiting practices or any kind of recruiting campaigns, we make sure that that is obvious and that alignment will achieve the goals. You know, it, it's so... It's so timely because we're, we're in this experience age of people living and, and experiencing life, sometimes through others' lenses, right? You know, through GoPro cameras and YouTube posts and, and, and you name it. And oftentimes when I'm looking to, to or I'm, when I'm working with a client, I'm, I'm looking at, at the message they're sending out. 
they'll say to me, well, gosh, Ed, you know, I've got a couple employee testimonials on the website, or we put pictures of the company picnic out there. And to me, I say to them, well, that's all static. Where's the live video feed from your last holiday party? Where's the video testimonials of, of why that new employee just signed on with you? How big of a jump do you find that that is for companies to go from that sort of static presence out in the social world to a more active presence? Is that a hard sell? I don't think it's that hard of a sell when you, if you're able to keep your pulse on the culture, mm -hmm. because if you're in tune with the people who show up at work and you're in tune or you've created a culture where people can show up as their whole selves, you're going to see that that is the natural tendency in this new demographic that's emerging in workforce uh, presentations. Mm -hmm. And it is what people want. And if you are proud of your culture, you're going to want to show that. And the benefit of it is that if you have a healthy work culture that is productive and is connected and is purpose-driven, marketing that to the world is one of the best ways to attract top talent and is one of the best ways to sell your brand to people who want to not only consume your product or service, but to work for your company. So I don't know that it's a big leap. The pivot itself is learning how to, what story you need and how to use that story consistently across all your marketing tools to make sure that it happens. Sure. Now, now Paul, as, as the master storyteller, when you are developing a client's story for the outside world, how much do you balance the content of that story on employee experiences versus, uh, say, the executive's current view of where the culture is or where they want it? And if there's a disconnect, where do you go from there? Well, the story has to be true. And it has to resonate <laughs> with the company. And, uh, you know, the big problem is uh, with these missions and visions and the strategic planning days where all the executives, they sit down in a boardroom and then they rack their brains with a consultant to, you know, come up with, this is our mission, this is our vision, our core values. And then they do the presentation and tell the employees here, this is what we stand for. Mm -hmm. Well, then it gets shelved and nobody knows what it is. And we don't even know if it aligns with how it, feels to work there. So a big part of doing a strategic narrative or a strategic company story is talking to people in the company and getting it from their mouths, like mm -hmm. hearing what they are saying about working there and how it is to do business there and using those elements to construct the story. So we, we do talk to the, the C-suite. We see where they want to take the company and how they want to align the story. But then we have to make it fit with the, the employees and the culture so that it is in integrity and in alignment so that they can actually go out there and say, this is us. Because people feel that, right? The employees feel it. The management feels it. The customer feels it. And when, some, when everything is in alignment and it aligns with your, your marketing, with your brand, with what you're putting out there, then it's attractive and it draws people in. So one of the uh, one of the projects that we've been working on, and uh, I know that you've been involved with the HR aspect of it, was to, is developing this HR story that we're that we're telling to attract talent for a, 
for a company. And talking to HR, we, we couldn't feel what the culture was. In yeah. fact, we were like, there's almost a, a negative culture. We right. don't, you know, it's right. repellent. And it wasn't until we started interviewing and getting the, uh, getting people in the company to talk that we started seeing what the opportunities for growth were in the company, what's so attractive and keeping people at the company so long and why people would have like 10, 15 and 25 year careers with this company. And that was inspiring, but it wasn't coming across that in an interview, just like this, you know, like we're talking on, on YouTube or not YouTube on zoom. And, um, we're, um, just asking questions, you get those snippets, right? You get people just saying things that are pure gold that you mm -hmm. couldn't get them to write for you, or uh, you couldn't ask for a, a better testimonial. And when you catch those snippets and put them up on the website, just in the right place with the right sort of positioning around it, you can bring across the story that you pull from both the uh, management, the C-suite, and from the employees that work there. You know, it, it takes me back a ways to uh, my, my time at, at UPS, and we had uh, revamped the entire HR office space in one of our operations. And this was one of the larger operations in central Pennsylvania. So there was almost a constant hiring going on. And HR didn't have a whole lot of say in it. You know, engineering came in and said, this is how we're going to relay out your space. And one of the things we're going to do for you is we're going to create a training room. And off that training room, we're going to be three interview rooms. Cool, right? Until the project was finished. And we realized if you've ever watched any cop show on TV in your life at all, <laughs> and you've ever seen them sit in a cinder block room with a tiny little table and two chairs and one light, that was exactly the interview rooms <laughs> that they gave us. And, you know, what a disconnect when we're trying to talk to people and put them at ease. It's like, yeah, come on into this 10 by 10 cinder block box with one light and I'm going to sit here and interview you. I mean, yeah. it really felt like an interrogation. And so that that whole. Did they have the mirror and the, the one way glass? <laughs> one way. Well, we, we had one glass, uh, but it was it wasn't one way. But yes, there was. <laughs> it was very strange. So we're like and, also watching you. And, and I, I can't help. I mean, I laugh now 20 years later, but. You know, at the time I was disturbed because I'm thinking what a different or, or a different feel than maybe what someone was expecting when they came in. And certainly it's not a place to make someone feel comfortable. So how do you know now I'm forced to bridge that gap and eventually we stopped using those rooms because they, they were just so uh, oppressive, really. And so your point and, and what made me remember that story was your, your point about sometimes the disconnect between you know, what maybe HR is saying versus what someone else in the organization is saying. And so, uh, Amanda, have you found at times where different stories are coming from different parts of the organization? In other words, I interview with HR and they're telling me one thing about the company. Now I go to my hiring manager and she tells me something different and so on. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely a reality because everyone's an individual. And the truth is, and I was just saying this to Paul the other day because we were reviewing um, his process of behavioral interviewing, which is something he does that's really fantastic, yeah. which is asking people in a very personable way and a targeted way to describe their experience. Mm -hmm. I was saying how awesome it is that we get such a variety on a spectrum of reactions because in those reactions, you're able to pull out all of these 
positive variances. So someone might really like this. And when they express even a subtle interest, then you can delve into that and you can ask them to explain. And so someone might really like the one-on-ones that they get. Another person might have, might get elaborate on what they enjoyed, you know, um, on the field, or someone might really like what they get to do in meetings. And you don't get that on something like an engagement survey, or you don't get that, you won't ever get a canned response anyway. So I love that. And one of the beautiful things about the story is that it pulls all of these pieces and utilizes the positive feedback and the variety of it to create a cohesive storyline for that company. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, as as Paul alluded, you know, the three of us have the opportunity to work together to to transform a client right now. And, uh, you know, for our listeners, when when I took the call from from this client, um, it was the HR director saying, you know, gosh, we we can't attract talent in some of our marketplaces. And, you know, this company, I've known them for a long time, and and they are a a little goldmine, and they are kind of a, a little player in a big pond. And, that they felt that was working against them. And so internally, I felt, yeah, there are certainly things that, that I can do, but I recognized early on that part of it's the storytelling. And I think from an HR perspective, and, and Paul, I'd like you to weigh in on this. I feel like, you know, th- that old term, the war on talent, right? I mean, it's been so overused, but it's probably never been truer than, than what we're seeing in current events. And, and I don't see an end in sight quite honestly. I mean, prior to the pandemic, we were seeing all the makings of a perfect storm of a talent shortage, not a labor shortage, but a talent shortage. And here it is. And yet we've got organizations that are still in a post and wait sort of mentality, like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to throw my lure in the pond and see what kind of fish I get. I don't know if it's the right fish when I reel it in, or if it's going to be an old clunky tire that's down in the bottom of the lake, but I'm going to reel something in and see what happens. So how does HR need to transform from that old post and wait into a true almost marketing function? It's a, it's a matter of knowing what the, the market is looking for and what they have as options out there. And we, we know that the generations that have come into the marketplace now have different reasons for wanting to work at companies and that they are making choices based on purpose, as Amanda was saying. And it's not just enough to offer great compensation packages because you have to be competitive, obviously, to attract the talent, but people actually place more value on the intangibles, like the the purpose, the opportunity to express who they are, to influence the direction of projects the company engages in, and to make a difference in the communities that they live in. when you just put a post and wait kind of job description up there and it states the, the, uh, the different roles that they're going to be playing and the, ta- the, uh, the tasks that need to be performed and competencies and then the compensation, it, it's flat. It doesn't speak to what these people are looking for. And I, I think that what's really interesting from uh, our interaction together with HR and the, the change in the generations and entering the experience age is people have so much more of an expectation of, of work to provide me with my life and my experiences and what it means to be me. And if we're not speaking to that and how a company is going to 
give the employees that opportunity, they're, they're going to go somewhere else, even if you're op- offering the same type of compensation and sure. same op- opportunities. Yeah, it's very true. I, I'm currently handling the, the search for a client for their very first HR director. And this is a kind of a quiet little company, uh, privately held, massively successful. And they quietly do a lot in their hometown community. And I, I was speaking to a candidate the other day, and you know, she said, Ed, tell me about, about the company. I've been on their website, so I know what they sell, but tell me about them. And so as I got to the, the part where I said, you know, they are very involved in their community, and here are some of the causes they sort of quietly support, but they do donate a lot. She went, oh my gosh. She said, Ed, I've been in corporate America for the last 15 years with, with you know, major Fortune 500 companies. And they give lip service to a lot of things, she said. But when it push really came to shove, if employees want to take a day off to do a volunteer thing, it was typically not an easy thing to do. She said, I want to talk to this company. She was begging me to, to introduce her to them because they were fitting with who she felt she was and where she was at in her career. And, and you've mentioned a couple of times that, you know, Gen um, Z and the millennials are, are about that. This one was a Gen Xer. And so as us Gen Xers get to a point in our career where we're probably a little more financially stable, maybe the money's not quite as important now. And it's those those ancillary stories. So, Amanda, how can you convince a company who, like like, like my client, who is very um, proud to be able to support community initiatives, but maybe doesn't want to be out there and brag about it. How, how do you get them to understand that that's part of the fiber of who they are and that we want to tell that story so that not only employees, but potential candidates can buy into that? Yeah, great question. And I think one of the things that compels people is when they hear numbers associated mm-hmm. with this. So, and I've been repeating this a lot, that 68% of surveyed millennials in the United States have stated that they would turn down competitive compensation or a high income job for another job that offered a positive culture and growth opportunities. So what that means is if you are not touting your great culture, if you're not touting your company that does great things in the community that might resonate with that top talent, you are potentially eliminating 68% of the population of the talent pool from the people that you could have come work for you. Um, And I I think that's a very high risk to take. Um, And I would say, you know, what are the pros of not and what are the pros of, what are the cons? You know, like, let's do that together. There's many ways to go through what are the competitive advantages that your company offers and build that into a story. And if it doesn't, if you want to be a modest brand, there's Mm -hmm. lots of ways of doing that and maintaining that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen you work very closely with companies and very respectfully work with the way they operate. And we would do the same or any company that works with a storyteller would do the same. So it's very easy to accomplish. When we think about this idea of storytelling, and, and probably some of our listeners are, are really kind of hearing something like this in terms of talent for the first time, how much does the marketing brand and what we are selling to our customers have to also be reflective of what we're selling to our employees? You know, some, some companies will put on the wall, employees are our most important asset. And then on the other wall, it'll say customers are our number one priority. 
And, and to me, that's a bit of a serving two masters kind of scenario. And so how do you tell a company, if we take care of our employees, they will then take care of the customer? That is an aspect that is really coming to a head now, because with the talent pool looking to have the opportunity to grow and to really express themselves at work, they things have become maybe more employee-centric or need to shift that way. However, in order to have uh, that opportunity for growth as an employee, you, you have to have customers in business so that the company can provide you with that. So there has to be a way of integrating the two so that you can be at the same time employee-centric as customer-centric. And that's why a story that everybody, that the customers, that the employees, that the management all engage with and agree that it's true, that it's true about the company and the culture and how the employees serve customers so that they generate more business so the company grows so they can provide better customer service. All that ties together. It needs to come across so that there's no, there's no disconnect. People aren't going, wait, like, how can both be true? Or how can you make this one statement that is just completely opposite to the other statement? The story unifies those things. Yeah. And it's the guiding sort of the North Star for the company. Yeah. Now, it, it makes complete sense. You know, I, I was speaking to a, a manager the other day about, well, this is probably a month or so ago, about a situation with, with an employee. And I said, you know, you, you really got to look at getting this employee out of where they are. They need to be over here. If you really want to utilize their talents properly, they're not being used the, the, the way they thought they were going to be used. And if you don't, you're probably going to lose her. And his response to me was, was very disappointing. He said, we have to think about the organization first. And she is most valuable to the organization where she is. And I said, do you understand that by making that decision, you are likely to lose her? Well, you know, we'll, we'll look at that if the time comes. Guess who gave her notice yesterday? And, and you know, I, I traded texts with this manager, and, I, and I, I didn't say I told you so, but he said, well, Ed, what were we supposed to do? She was too valuable. I said, well, my view is if you take care of your people, they will take care of you. If, if we don't show them that we care, they're not going to care about the company. So I get that we can't give the ship away. You know, we can't pay our people millions of dollars over what they're worth and we can't give them free benefits and, you know, all these things and, and financially kill the organization. So, Amanda, have you, you had a situation where you look at, say, a marketing budget and say, well, how much of that marketing budget should be looked at for marketing the employment brand? especially today? Well, to be honest, if we're not addressing the employment brand, the marketing brand is significantly devalued because as you say, if you don't take care of your people, they will maybe, or if you take care of your people, they'll take care of you. So you have to have happy people working for you and, and you have to have the clients happy. Otherwise, if one breaks, the next is going to. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that we address 
what's happening inside the company and get that feedback and use that feedback to either learn or pivot. And, you know, when we work with you, it's fantastic because in this case, most recent case, I mean, you are able to do your magic and then we come in and we just work with the story that is produced after, you know, your magic is done at an HR level. And that's really key because while they are seemingly two different things, they can't really be broken apart. And it's super important that you have what's happening on the inside be marketable to the outside because you can't keep that secret. You just can't. Um, you gave me a, a great story once and um, we were talking about you know, examples to share and you were telling me about uh, an, a client you had a long time ago and how you had an experience where it was so bad before you came in that people weren't even proud to say where they worked. Yeah. And can you, if you just imagine if a marketing company came in and just try to throw a Band-Aid over that and create a story that say a decision maker at the very top wanted to be marketed out, but didn't address that problem, that would be devastating. And it would be a huge waste of money. So no, you, I wouldn't even look at the budget. I would say, well, what are we working with here? You know, and, and that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're at a stage where the old idea of, well, we've got a marketing budget over here. And then over here, we've got a recruiting budget that there's probably some of that money that needs to, to begin to be blended. Um, because if we, we go down the path that the two of you have talked about today by creating a great story, but we're not living it in-house and everyone's not on brand. It's the same as not being on brand marketing-wise. And you know, never it, it has this situation really been more critical than with the talent shortfalls we've got today. Because the reality is that, that the talent is employed. And so if we're going to win the war on talent, we're, we're faced with really robbing from our neighboring companies to bring talent to us. And I, I know those, they sound kind of like harsh words, but it's a doggy dog world out there. And, and it is very true for talent. And so as we're, we're winding down here, I guess my, my final thought for our listeners is that when you're looking at your culture, as Amanda said, you've got to, you can't keep it under a bushel. You've got to be willing to talk about it in the outside world. And as Paul has, has alluded to, we've got to make sure that we've got a compelling story about that culture, something that's going to make people sit up and say, oh, I've heard about that organization. And so for our listeners today, I want you to think about where your talent strategy, your talent attraction strategy, excuse me, is right now. Is it on brand with your marketing strategy? If not, I've got two great people that you need to be talking with that can blend that story together. So on that note, uh, Paul, where can our listeners learn more about The Word Co.? Well, thewordco.com is that, uh, or .ca, right, Amanda? Go to thewordco.ca, you'll find out more about Amanda and I and how we work together. Because it really comes down to, in this day and age, whoever has the best story wins. Mm -hmm. And what, what we do is we'll work with you to make sure, first of all, that you do have the best story and then all your marketing aligns with it, whether you're marketing for business or for talent. And uh, Amanda, I'll, I'll let you uh, direct them more to how to get in touch with us. For sure. 
Where the wordco.cn.com will both be available to be searched. So if you look up that, us up that way, you'll be able to find us. And right now we have lots of information on our uh, sister site, brandwriterco.com. And you can look us up on LinkedIn. We are both available and Paul, Dr. Paul Newton on LinkedIn and Amanda Annis on LinkedIn. Please feel free to follow us or get in touch with us if you need to, or you have any questions. It's almost kind of a, a funny way to end that I ask you how people can get in touch with you because as two very savvy marketers, I'd be surprised if you didn't have a presence in all of those social markets. So again, that's the wordcode.ca and, and the wordcode.com. And also for some additional information, brandwriterco.com as well. So all kinds of places to get in touch with these two wonderful people. Uh, so listeners, I encourage you to stop by their websites, learn more about how they tell stories that attack talent. So thanks again for listening in on the Transforming Talent podcast. We'll see you again soon for more executive talking about how they are transforming talent every day in their organizations. Take care, everyone. Hey, Ed Crow here. Thank you so much for listening to today's segment of Transforming Talent. If you're a business owner or executive of a business that's on a revenue freight train that you're not sure how to control, or maybe you're butting up against a revenue ceiling that you don't know how to break through, we'd love to have you on this program. Please visit my website at edcrow.com slash speaking slash podcast to apply. Now, for our listeners out there, if you got something out of this interview and you'd love to share it on social media, please go ahead and do so. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone, text it to a friend, and post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag transforming talent. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to my website, edcrow.com, where you can follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.